Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your engine! For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. Happy Daytona 500 Day. And welcome to the uh, Daytona 500 Preview Edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always. Again, happy Daytona 500 Day. Today is the 61st running of the great American race, the Daytona 500, the kickoff of the 2019 NASCAR Cup Series season. And you'll be able to hear it on the radio, not on this station, but just down the hall from us over at ESPN 1520. There will be live flag-to-flag coverage of the Great American Race on ESPN 1520. Coverage starts at 1.30 this afternoon, courtesy of our friends of at the Motor Racing Network, and always be very happy to be uh, partners with them, a proud affiliate uh, stations here at Entercom Buffalo, and uh, they uh, go above and beyond with uh, helping us out and helping me out, too, when we have the MRN personalities on the show here. And uh, really excited that the race uh, will be on ESPN 1520 because we'll have Sabres here on WGR uh, coming up at 5 o'clock this afternoon with Sabres pregame. My good buddy Brian Koziel will host that. So that's why the race is over at ESPN 1520. So mark it down. And uh, you can uh, get ESPN 1520 uh, streaming through the, the radio.com app. So don't worry about uh, if you you be able to stream it too. So uh, looking forward to that this afternoon, the Daytona 500. We are here, and we're going to talk about it with you on today's program. Uh, coming up at 11.15, we will go live to the World Center of Racing, the Daytona International Speedway, and talk to Nate Ryan from NBC Sports and the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Nate uh, covering the sport now for over almost 17 years. Uh Great insights, and uh, he does a phenomenal job with his podcast, talking to all sorts of people uh, in, in the motorsports industry. And uh, we'll talk to Nate at 11.15, but plenty of time for you. F- phone calls, too, at 803-0550, We're also on Twitter. You can tweet us at Fast Track, uh, at Fast Track 550, at Fast Track 550. And we're on Facebook, too, at uh, Facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track as the Daytona 500, of course, the starting field was set during this week, uh, going back to last Sunday with uh, front row qualifying, and that was a sweep for Hendrick Motorsports. Not only did they take the front row, they also had the third and fourth fastest qualifiers as William Byron, the uh, driver, the young driver, will start on the pole for today's Daytona 500, his first Daytona pole, Hendrick Motorsports' fifth straight pole at Daytona. And he will be doing it, of course, with new crew chief Chad Knauss this year. Don't forget, uh, Jimmy and Chad no longer a thing <laughs> as uh, they uh, parted ways after last season. A lot of changes for the 48 team this year. So Chad Knauss is working with William Byron while uh, 
uh, Jimmy has a new crew chief in Kevin Mendering, and uh, Jimmy was also in the front four, but it will be Byron and Alex Bowman on the front row for today's race, the two Hendrick Motorsports drivers. Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson qualified third and fourth, but of course... Those weren't locked in because they had to survive the duels races on Thursday night, which you heard here on WGR. And after it was all said and done, those races were won by Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano in a pair of Ford Mustangs, and they will roll off third and fourth today in the Daytona 500. And uh, no surprise, well, actually, I guess a little bit of surprise, the Fords are still fast this year. Of course, last year, uh, the Ford Fusions, the last year of the Ford Fusion, uh, the Stuart Haas cars, the Penske cars, so fast, won a, a ton of races last year. And uh, Logano winning the championship, Kevin Harvick winning a ton of races, going to the final four at Homestead. The Fords were the strong car last year in NASCAR, while the Chevys kind of struggled last year with the Camaros. And the Toyotas were competitive, but still maybe a step behind the Fords throughout most of the year, especially maybe for the first two-thirds of the season. This year, I was wondering, would the Fords have a similar stumbling block like the Chevys did last year when Chevy switched to the Camaro? For Ford, at least not at Daytona so far, the switch from Fusion to Mustang has not been an issue, but I'm sure the folks in Dearborn, Michigan and Ford obviously watched what happened to Chevy last year, and I'm sure they did everything in their power to tr- hopefully avoid having that uh, falling back this year with the switch of the body style from the Fusion to the Mustang. But so far, off to a good start because when you look at the top 10, uh, you you look at some of these top starters for today's race, there's a lot of blue ovals, as I said. Harvick and Logano won the duels. They'll roll off from row number two. Ricky Stenhouse and Clint Boyer will roll off from row number three. Of course, Stenhouse very good on the plate tracks. Uh, has won a couple of these in recent years. He rolls off fifth today along with Clint Boyer, who, of course, has had a huge renaissance in his career since moving back, uh, moving over to Stuart Haas Racing. Had a great season last year, looking to continue again this year. Then you've got in row four a couple of more Fords, Paul Menard in the Wood Brothers Ford. And, of course, they have partnered up with Team Penske. Menard, uh, unfortunately, had that uh, run-in with Jimmy Johnson, um, was it? Oh, no, I can't remember now if it was the the duels. It wasn't the duels race. It was the uh, the uh, clash last week when they got together uh, last week. But uh, Menard uh, had a little bit luck, better luck in the duels race on Thursday, and he will roll off seventh today. Almarola, another Stuart Haas Ford, starts eighth, and then you run at your top ten starters. A couple of Toyotas. Matt De Benedetto in the ninety five team, the Levine Family Racing team. Of course, Matt. Uh, had an outside shot at winning this race a year ago. Don't discount the 95 car today, especially for those of you uh, making fantasy teams and, and looking for maybe that low-budget driver on your fantasy or FanDuel teams. Uh, you know, throw Matt DiBenedetto on that roster uh, as he was running up front near the end of last year's race. Didn't have the luck to to steal the win in uh, what was a crazy race last year, but DiBenedetto rolls off ninth today. Denny Hamlin starts 10th today in the FedEx Toyota, and Denny, a guy that has got to be maybe feeling a little bit, little bit of pressure at the start of this year. He ha- did not win a race in 2018, lo- fell out of the playoffs in the first round of the playoffs last season, and it was the first time in his cup career, his first full season, where he did not win a race last year in the sport. So I'm sure Denny wants to get out of this box to start this year with a win at Daytona and uh, you know just kind of get that monkey off his back and just – progressing on this season. So we'll see uh, Denny and the 48. Of course, Jimmy Johnson did not win a race last year as well, too. Um, And so there's two guys that, uh, two huge names in the sports, two guys that are coming off their first winless years since becoming cup drivers. And uh, it is just 
going to be interesting to see uh, what, how fast out of the box they're going to come strong uh, here in 2019. Jimmy Johnson off to an interesting start, of course, here at Speed Weeks as he has had run-ins now uh, and at the Clash in the duels where he has had contact with drivers, had contact with Kyle Busch on Thursday night, Paul Menard in, in Sunday's Clash race, and uh, he is definitely you know just kind of out for himself this year, and I think he wants to show everybody that he can still obviously he's a seven-time champion but obviously going into these maybe last few years of his career he does not you know want to go out on a winless streak he wants to pile up some more wins and maybe even add that eighth championship before is all said and done uh let's go to the western hotline and kyle we already got him we got him early here all right we're gonna go to the western hotline and bring in from NBC Sports and the NASCAR and NBC podcast and live at the World Center of Racing, Nate Ryan joins us on the line. Nate, Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Happy Daytona 500. Good morning, Dave. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Uh, a lot of talk about uh, what today's race is going to look like, Nate. We've seen a lot of single-file racing, obviously, in the clash and the duels. Then we had a Rock'em Sock'em truck race on Friday night, but then we had a little more Tamer race yesterday in the Xfinity Series. A lot of opinions flying around on what today's race is going to look like. Uh, what do you think we're going to see today after 500 miles? Well, in a perfect world, Dave, you'd see a mix between what, what happened Friday in the truck race and what happened yesterday in the Xfinity race and what happened Thursday in the cup race. Those were two extremes where Thursday and Saturday in the Xfinity race you had think mostly single file racing unfortunately. Mm. but then friday you had guys racing on the edge of control and going out over it so much that you had a record number of cautions caution flags and uh too many multi-car multi-truck crashes in my opinion uh for that event so hopefully today in the cup race you will see uh, a better blend of that uh I, you're, you will see single file racing there will be points over 500 miles where uh, drivers probably will go nose to tail mm. race, but I think with the fact that there are 40 cars, the fact that it's hotter today, the fact should be a little bit slicker, uh, and the fact that you have the ultimate prize at stake, uh, certainly I would expect the last 40 or 50 laps to be as crazy uh, as they ever are because everybody's trying to win the Daytona 500. Exactly. I, I know a lot of people have talked about the package, and of course this is the last uh, restrictor plate race before we, we go to strictly tapered spacers at Daytona and Talladega uh, going forward, but I, I, it seems like the, the single file racing is not so much a product of aerodynamics or cars or whatnot, Nate. And I think it's more just the guys behind the wheel, and they're just making decisions to race like that. And uh, like you said, they'll be racing a lot more different today uh, with a lot more on the line. And I th- obviously guys are going to probably be willing to take a few more chances this afternoon. I think so, Dave. I think it's a little bit of a combination of driver decisions and aero. It's, it's mostly driver decisions. It's mostly that everybody has seen over the last three years here, starting with Toyota's dominant win in 2016, that the longest single-file line tends to win this race. Mm-hmm. There are some advantages and reasons that you would want to stay in a single-file line. Uh, but I think there are also some arrow things at play here, too. NASCAR has made some subtle changes to the cars. And for you know, as you said, this is the final plate race. Uh, the, the racing will be similar at Talladega. Come April for this, that, that race, and the next time they come here in Daytona for the July race, but mm. it, they won't have the plates that they've always had. Uh, it'll be a different um, type of package, and I think that this current package 
there are reasons that you would prefer to have people on your left side versus the right side of the car. So, yes, drivers definitely are, are making the decision to stay in the single file line right up top, but there is a little bit of a method to that method. Nate, when uh, trying to pick a winner for today's race, I know last year everybody was kind of betting on the Fords, and then we had a, a wild race with a lot of wrecks, and, and Austin Dillon won up winning in a Chevrolet, but still, it's hard to bet against the Fords again this year, it seems like, for today's race. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I'm not much of a betting man, Dave, but <laughs> if I was, uh, I wouldn't it, it, you know, I wouldn't encourage anybody to necessarily take my advice on picking winners. <laughs> Probably have a 5 or 10% success rate on that. <laughs> if I was going to bet on today, you have to bet a Ford. Uh, there are drivers who can win this race who are in Toyotas and Chevys. I think Chase Elliott uh, has put on some of the best individual performances of Speed Weeks and mm-hmm. Chevy. I think if you look at Toyota, Kyle Busch probably is going to win this race at some point. Uh, Denny Hamlin is one of the best plate drivers in Cup, and Martin Truex Jr. appears to have as fast a plate car as he's had. But there's just no measuring up to the Ford squadron. There's just there's too many good cars, and with guys like Joey Logano and Brett Keselowski and Kevin Harvick, too many good drivers. And I think they come into the Daytona 500 with an edge because of strength and numbers. Uh, you just mentioned Denny Hamlin, and I was talking about him and Jimmy Johnson right before you, we had had you on here, Nate. Uh, what do you what do you think their 2019s are going to be like? They they're again coming off winless seasons. I'm sure they th- at these later stages of their careers they they still want to prove something. And obviously Jimmy wants to win that eighth championship. What do you expect out of those two guys this year? Uh, I'd expect a lot, Dave. I think both of them are expecting a lot out of themselves. We already saw it from Jimmy Johnson uh, a little bit of swagger he's had during Speed Week, <laughs> winning the Clash and not being particularly upset about it resulting in a lot of people crashing behind him because I think he wanted to get a, a win with new crew chief Kevin Mendering. I mean, he is set on kill in some ways this year to, to show that he can regain his seven-time championship form. He's a little bit like Michael Jordan, I think, in his later years where he had nothing to prove to anyone, but he played as if he had everything to prove to everyone. Mm. I think that's Jimmy Johnson probably in 2019. I think Hamlin, he's got, more. I think, at least one more year left on this deal with Gibbs, but there are definitely whispers, and I'm not saying he's hearing footsteps, but there's a lot of uh, rumbling about what does Toyota and Gibbs' future driver lineup look like. And so I think he feels as if the pressure is on. He's got a new crew chief as well. He needs to uh, deliver and get back to victory lane this year after being absent last year. I was watching the uh, the Motorsports and NBC YouTube channel, and I thought Steve Letarte said it best, Nate, and, and the best way to kind of uh, capture what Steve said. Uh, Jimmy has zero blanks to give this year. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, that is a good way to put it, and that's something I hear Stevie say in private, <laughs> a lot, uh, uncensored. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that is a good way to look at Jimmy Johnson. I think that's how Jimmy Johnson sort of has to be uh, this year. Again, like nothing to prove to anybody, but he still feels as if he has a lot to prove. And first season without Chad Canals, he's always heard the talk about uh, how good would Jimmy Johnson really be mm. if Canals wasn't on his pit box. Yep. And Canals has heard that too, and it's going to be interesting to see how both of them uh, adjust and, and react to that this year. I think both probably will have success, but uh, the pressure's definitely on. Nate, last thing before I let you go, the other big topic, of discussion during speed weeks it seems like is the future of the sport you know i almost feel like 2019 not for lack of excitement on the track but this year's kind of a lame duck year just because of of so much change looks like coming down the pipeline in the next two years uh i know steve phelps has said a lot uh you had a quote this morning from dale Earnhardt jr uh, during a media availability he says he's excited about the next five to ten years what do you make of what's 
coming for this sport in the next few seasons. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to characterize it that way, Dave. I will say that I think there are still some reasons to watch in 2019. Oh, yes. Got the, new, the new rules package. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't, if you're a NASCAR fan, don't give up entirely on, sure. on the season. But uh, 2020, if everything happens according to what people were saying, both publicly and privately, there should be a schedule that looks much different. I don't think it'll look, look different in terms of the racetracks that NASCAR and the Cup Series go to, but I think it should look different in the way that the races are ordered. I, I think it has to. I think they absolutely have to shake some things up in that regard for next year. And then 2021, I think you will see some new tracks on the schedule. That's when you'll start to see venues change, and that's because 2020 next year is when the sanctioning agreements expire with, with the tracks. So they'll have more flexibility after that in 2020 and beyond. So, yeah, there are, yeah there's, there's a lot to certainly uh, measure and, and keep track of here as, uh, as NASCAR moves into 2019. Nate, when it comes to 2019, uh, Peacocks and race cars just going to go together this year, Nate. I may just leave my TV on NBC Sportsnet constantly between NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA. You guys uh, have got it covered. An exciting year for you and your colleagues. And uh, I'm, I'm, you guys have a lot of new programming this year, too. I'm, it's got to be an exciting year for your, you and your, your colleagues there at NBC. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Steve. Obviously, uh, Indy 500 coming to NBC for the first time in May. I was going to be. It's always a spectacle, but I can promise you that that race's debut on NBC will be like nothing race fans have seen in recent years with the greatest spectacle in racing. Definitely tune in to the Indianapolis 500. We you know announced this week that Mike Tirico is going to be a host as part of that coverage, and also I'm sure you're going to see some NASCAR faces there. I'm <laughs> sure you'll see Dale Hart Jr. and Steve Blatchard as part of the Indy 500 coverage, mm-hmm. the way they were as a part of the Rolex 24 coverage that was really well-received uh, last month. So, yeah, a lot of good things happening for NBC Sports Group and, and the motorsports portfolio with IMSA, IndyCar, NASCAR, and Supercross as well for uh, 2019. And, of course, the uh, NASCAR and NBC podcast that you host, I really enjoyed your two-parter with Jeff Burton kind of producing, uh, uh, previewing this year. I thought you did a phenomenal job. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that, Dave. Yeah, it's uh, a new direction for the podcast. We'll, we'll do that a little bit more often this year. I've got a couple of other ideas on doing some narrative style podcasts uh in in the pipeline so hopefully there'll be more to come on that front in the near future nate i know it's a very busy morning thank you so much for the time always love having you on the program enjoy the race today and we'll continue to follow your coverage on nbc sports all right same to you dave always a pleasure thanks for having me yep take care nate ryan nbc sports follow him on twitter at nate ryan and if you are a uh, podcaster uh yeah look up that nascar and nbc podcast that nate hosts uh he does a Great job. He has an episode out now with Austin Dillon, the defending race winner. Haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet personally, but uh, his preview two episodes with Jeff Burton was really good. So catch those two uh, because you know, most of my podcasting, I, I will admit, is wrestling based. But, uh, you know, I, I love me some something to wrestle uh, with Bruce Pritchard. But uh, Nate does a, a phenomenal job in one of the, the racing podcasts I catch from uh, time to time. So great catching up with Nate. And again, uh, NBC Sports for more out of him. Uh, let's squeeze in a, a phone call here. Fran has been waiting on hold. Fran, how are you? Good morning. Hey, good morning, Dave. Great, great to have you back on the air. Um, I called in. I heard on Sirius Satellite they talked about the dropping of the restricted points. You got into it very briefly with Nate. Uh, could, you, could you elaborate more about the tapered spacing? Uh, 
I I I, I can tell you, Fran, the basic because I don't I'm not a mechanical guy. Um, but yeah, the the engines, the restrictor plate, tapered space are kind of pretty much the same thing. Uh, but since the cars have gone to the electronic fuel injection, uh, the restrictor plate isn't as necessary as say as using the tapered spacer. And I think they can use that on its own to limit the horsepower to slow these cars down. So today is the last race where a restrictor plate will be on the engines. But when they go to Talladega in I think it's April, and when they go back to Daytona in July, there'll still be a tapered spacer on these cars to slow them down so they won't be going 230 miles an hour and flying out of the park. So it's it's still going to be a, a similar type of racing, but uh, yes, the I guess you can't call them restrictor plate races anymore after today. Do you see the same problem where the drivers can't get out of each other's way because of the lack of extra acceleration or... I I I don't know what exactly the racing is going to look like. It'll probably be similar with uh, the packs and drafting and all that. But uh, I haven't seen. I haven't. You know. I don't know if they've tested it or I've. I've. If there's been testing, I haven't had a chance to. It hasn't been on display publicly. I've had a chance to watch it or anything. So we'll. Uh, I guess we won't know till they go to Talladega in a few months. Oh, very good. Th- and congratulations on your. PR direction in Ransomville. Look forward to working with you again this year. Yes, always good to share a tower with you, Fran. Thanks so much for calling in. Okay, bye. All right, Fran, thank you. And uh, Fran, uh, contributor to the program for local racing season. He's always good with providing uh, results from the Merrittville Speedway, so appreciate uh, Fran always helping out on the program. Uh, 803-0551-888-552-550. Yeah, I wish I could explain it better, but again, I'm not very mechanically inclined, but I can tell you that the but yes, the the restrictor plate it'll be strictly sta- tapered spacers on the engines uh, for for going forward uh, with the restrictor plates, and that's something they're similarly doing for the mile and a half tracks and the two mile tracks this year too, where they're using tapered spacers to slow down the cars. Uh, to I think the horsepower is going from seven fifty to five fifty, uh, great number <laughs> for uh, for the mile and a half and two mile tracks. And again, that is all in an effort to keep the cars more bunched together on the racetrack to increasing excitement basically uh they can't you know it's probably cheaper to put tapered spacers on the engines and to redesign all the racetracks unfortunately uh but that's what they're trying to do to improve the product in the mile and a half tracks because uh it is you know it's not great seeing the leader get a five second advantage over second place and that second place car can't overcome the dirty air to catch the leader and there's some other aerodynamic things they're putting on the cars basically what we saw in the all-star race last year is uh what the package is going to be for the mile and a half tracks and we'll see we'll learn a whole lot more about this next week when we go to atlanta uh alan is on the line alan good morning good morning how are you today i'm doing great alan how are you i'm pretty good this is uh, i'm a first time caller well thank you for calling in and listening appreciate it hey, no problem I, I i enjoy listening to you and uh and all about nascar but, mm. but i'm a little confused as something okay uh, these cars go through tech inspection. Yep, and they're they're dinged one, two, three times for a thousand. I think it's a thousandth of an inch. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, the the measures are very small. Yep. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but anyways, um, and they go out and they race, and they come back and they say, "Oh, you're illegal." Now, how can they be illegal when they went through tech inspection and down to a thousandth of an inch? I just, I mean, it just boggles my mind. I, you're right, Alan. It, it is interesting how they can pass all the pre-qualifying inspection, but 
I mean, if it isn't an impound race, I mean, really, the crews could, you know, do things after they pass the the pre-qualifying inspection and going through that OSS machine that measures everything. Plus, uh, the post-race inspection, Alan, from when they would take the cars to the R&D center, which now they're going to do that at the track right after the race. That'll be something to keep an eye on today, by the way. Uh, It's a little more in-depth than just running them through the OSS scanner. So they can maybe find a few things that the, the scanner doesn't find, too. So I think it's kind of a combination of both things where either the crew maybe did if, – if again, if the cars aren't impounded, they, they did something between qualifying inspection and the race. Or it's something that the OSS scanner couldn't find and, and the when they manually tear the cars down, that's something they find afterwards. Wow. <laughs> I, hey, it's you, it, they, you know how this sport is. They they find every little inch, every millimeter, everything to get that extra couple horsepower to get, get an advantage. Well, I mean, I can understand that. I know for years and years they said that Jeff Gordon was cheating and they could never find anything he cheated at. <laughs> yeah, it, that's just part of the sport. But I think it, it was getting so ridiculous with the infraction that these guys were finding. And part of the problem is is they wouldn't find them until they took them back to the R&D Center. And so you'd have the race on Sunday, and then Tuesday or Wednesday comes, and then you have the penalty, and then that's all you talk about for the rest of the week. And I think NASCAR just got kind of tired of that cycle of bad news and ruining what might have been a great race, because even, even though the guy was illegal he he still won the race and it was an exciting race and they just wanted they just want to talk about that they don't want to talk about the guy getting penalized two days later so they're trying to kind of circumvent that or, or try to avoid that by doing it at the track now that way they can say you know it, 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 it's you're either disqualified they're illegal so the other guy won the race and i i think they're just trying to just shift the topic of discussion well i, I mean I, I i can agree with look, look at this guy cheated a thousandth of an inch I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. The shock is, is 8.66 high, and it's supposed to be 8.65. Right. Okay. Uh, and nothing happened during 500 miles that could cause that. I, I, yeah, I, it's, these guys just look for every little advantage, and, it, and if you give them, I think the other thing is, Alan, if you give them that thousandth of an inch, then they're going to take it to a tenth of an inch. And it's, you know, it's given give an inch, take a mile kind of thing. So they, that's why they've got to clamp down, especially with all the technology we have now. They, they, they're able to, to make these adjustments, and, and they're able to find all these things to make these cars go faster. Oh, well. <laughs> it just To me, it's just getting ridiculous. But that's beside the point. It is. We, we still, you got to still try, enjoy the race, I guess, anyway. Yes, <laughs> and I will be enjoying the race. Well, Alan, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. All right, take care. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. We're uh, going to take a break here. We come back. Phone line's still open for you. Thank you for the callers we've had here in the opening segment. Thanks to Nate Ryan. But uh, more to come as we look ahead to today's Daytona 500 and the 2019 NASCAR season. We get back here on Fast Track on WGR. So cool this week. We got a fresh batch of those into the station, all updated with all the right sponsors and driver numbers and makes and models. So uh, you'll be hearing those back on the program every week. Uh, 11.30 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track. Kyle Powell producing today. Kyle becomes, I don't know, maybe the 25th different producer to run a show here on uh, WGR's Fast Track. Kyle, good to have you aboard, and thank you for all the fine work you've been doing on our Bandit broadcast this year. 
Absolutely. It's been a, uh, a fun year so far. Eight and two, not too shabby. Yeah, Bandits' big win last night against Calgary. Uh, come from behind 12 to 10, did not lead until the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter when newcomer Chris Cloutier gave the Bandits a 10-9 lead and then held on with a game-winning goal from Dane Smith and then the insurance from Ethan O'Connor in the final minutes. And yeah, as Kyle said, Bandits are 8-2 and two and they're in a virtual tie for first place with the Toronto Rock, who are 7-1. and one. Uh, There's more on our website, WGR550.com, including post-game interviews and a quick write-up I did after the game. Bandits are in Rochester on Friday night. You'll be able to catch that, I believe, on ESPN 1520 with my partner in crime, John Gertler. He'll have the call from the Blue Cross Arena. And uh, it's been a ton of fun working on the Bandit broadcast again uh, from the uh, field level, from the between the benches uh, position uh, like Rob Ray does on the Sabre broadcast. It's been a ton of fun uh, being involved with that. But back on our main topic of discussion, the Daytona 500 and we got to hear from you at 803-0551-888-550-2550 and on Twitter uh, at FastTrack550. And a big thank you to the uh, shout-out I got this morning from uh, the Bulldog. Appreciate that. And uh, uh, I know Chris will be uh, watching a little bit this afternoon as well, unless uh, unless Owen's got a hockey game somewhere, but I'm sure he'll be following along regardless. Uh, we heard from Kyle Butch there coming back from break. Kyle will start 31st today. Of course, he had that run-in with Jimmy Johnson during Thursday night's duel, and he was none too happy with the driver of the 48 car following the race on Thursday night as those two uh, got together. And It's both times with, with John, uh, Johnson, you know, he just, both times he's come up on the, the, the right side of the car, or the, excuse me, the, hang on, I'm doing this, man, the left side of the car in front of him, and whether it's contact or just the air uh, turning the car in front of him, but both incidents were very similar. And uh, Paul Menard also, you know, had some not too nice comments about Jimmy after the clash on on Sunday, and he said that this always happens with Jimmy at these type of races. And actually, someone went back and, and posted on Twitter in GIF form uh, the three incidents that Paul Menard has had with Jimmy Johnson at plate races in the last couple of seasons. Uh, literally, the. I think like three out of the last four or five plate races, uh, Menard and Johnson have, have run into each other at some point and, and, and caused an accident. So I'm sure that did not make Paul none too plus when he found it. It was the 48th that got into him uh, and took him out of lead during Sunday's clash. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have more of that today. Of course, last year's race ended with contact on the last lap as Austin Dillon uh, pretty much dumped Eric Almarola on the last lap to give uh, Austin Dillon his win last year in the Daytona 500 and Bubba Wallace finishing second. And it's definitely, I think Nate said it best, it's best hope is to have kind of a mix between what we saw Thursday in the duels and what we saw Friday in the truck race where we had a lot of passing, and, and a, but unfortunately a lot of crashes too. And we had, you know, nine trucks running at the finish and, and Stuart Friesen got a top 10 finish, but didn't even have to finish the race. His truck was so banged up, but uh, Stuart got caught up in a couple big ones late in the race. Unfortunately, after uh, doing a phenomenal job at the end of the second stage, uh, I was, I took my daughter, uh, my wife and I took our daughter to Paw Patrol Lives, came home, flipped on the truck race and just at the end of stage two and Stewart was running seventh, and next thing you knew, he was up to second. I'm like, all right, maybe this is it. This is finally his first truck race. But unfortunately, no, he gets caught up in a couple uh, incidents in the third stage of the race. But still, again, finishes 10th with all the carnage they had. So let's have a happy medium between Thursday and Friday's race, or or Friday's truck race and Saturday's Xfinity Series race that was won by um, Mike Lynette. 
But obviously, with 500 miles, you're going to see just some single-file action today just because it is 200 laps, and these guys want to be there at the end. So obviously, they're going to save a little bit for the end of the race. But I do think that it's definitely the the drivers themselves have more power over the lack of action, to to, to say, basically, uh, than, than, than it's the cars. And I just the guys chose... Uh, on Thursday and last Sunday to try and not tear up equipment, and that's why it was single, uh, so much single file. I think you'll see a lot more side by side action today, especially uh, you know in the beginning or on restarts, and definitely you know on the last stages of the race. And uh, I, they do have the ability to run the bottom and go side by side, but that those pockets of air with these cars do make it so treacherous that we've seen already with the two incidents involving the uh, the forty eight. Again, 803-0551-888-552-550. A couple other names in the starting lineup today. We ran through the top 10 there at the start of the show before we talked to Nate Ryan. Uh, but going back to row six, you got Martin Truex rolling off in the 11th spot. And you heard Nate say that for Truex, this might be the best car he's had uh, for a restrictor plate race, of course. Now a regular part of the Joe Gibbs team, although, of course, Furniture Row Racing was associated with Joe Gibbs. But now he's an official JGR driver in the 19 car this year after Furniture Row Racing shut down. He starts 11th today. Kurt Busch, again, in a new team this year, too, with Stuart Haas or excuse me, Chip Ganassi Racing, leaving Stuart Haas Racing. He's in the one car today, taking over Jamie McMurray. He starts 12th. You got Bubba Wallace, who again finished second in this race last year, 13th. Ryan Blaney, another one of those Fords to keep an eye on today. Blaney you know, has led some laps in these races before. Uh, don't discount him in the 12 car today. Then you've got uh, some other names here. Jamie McMurray starts 16th. Today is what looks to be Jamie McMurray's final career cup start as uh, he is uh, part of the Fox Sports, or excuse me, he's part of uh, NBC Sports this year. Um, and he is making his final start today. He will move permanently to the broadcast booth unless a, a an opportunity arises with a team or maybe as a fill-in driver at some point. But uh, for now, this will be Jamie's final start. He rolls off 16th. Uh, row nine, you've got the two cars that were third and fourth fastest in time trials on Sunday, but due to what happened in the duels, they fell back, and it is Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott in row number nine. And don't count these out guys out today, obviously, even though they're in the Chevrolets, uh, two obviously very talented race car drivers in Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott. And again, we've, we've talked so much already about Jimmy this morning, but again, a lot to prove this year, maybe... You know, not going to take crap from anybody this season as he bounces back and again maybe tries to go for a championship without Chad Canales. A lot to maybe prove here for Jimmy this season. So watch him and Chase Elliott, who uh, has had some great runs at Daytona in the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series. And uh, I think really that win last year at Watkins Glen just it, all it took was that one win, and then you saw him win two more in the playoffs last year. And I think now he's going to be in a groove, and uh, you know maybe be in a hunt for the championship this year and, and rack up some wins and, and set him up himself nicely up for the playoffs. But uh, look for Chase Elliott to be a favorite today. Uh, a couple other guys, uh, Ryan Newman and Austin Dillon, are in row 10. Uh, row 11, you've got Ryan Priest making his first career Daytona 500 start. Again, Ryan driving for JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, of course, that's the team uh, Mark Kelso uh, works for when he's not uh, on the Buffalo Bills radio network. 
and this is his first Daytona 500 start. And again, Ryan moving up from the Modifieds, a a native of Connecticut, uh, got his start racing Modifieds at Stafford and Thompson and the the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour and has even run with the Race of Champions Series and run here at Lancaster just a couple of years ago uh, as as run a race in Lancaster. And, uh, of course, got a ride, a a part-time ride in the Xfinity Series with Joe Gibbs Racing and made the most of that, got a win, and now uh, that his performances got him to this full-time ride in the Cup Series, and we'll see what Ryan can do this year as a rookie in the Cup Series. He starts 21st. You've got uh, Daniel Suarez uh, starting 23rd today, his first uh, Cup race with Stuart Haas Racing as he takes over the 41 car. Kyle Larson qualified 26, but Kyle will fall uh, to the tail here. Uh, that just came out this morning. Uh, they had a transmission change on the Chip Ganassi Racing uh, 42 car for Kyle Larson, so he'll fall to the rear. Again, at a race like Daytona, it's not a big penalty because, you know, so much can happen at a restrictor play race. And with the draft, you know, wouldn't take him long to move up. But Kyle's another guy that, you know, maybe needs to to prove something this year. We've seen Kyle have some wins in the Cup Series and, you know, definitely coming into his own as a Cup driver and as a very popular driver in the sport, too, as he has a big following with, you know, the sprint car fans that like to watch him race on the dirt and sprint cars. And Kyle did plenty of that during the off season uh, once again, but here's someone that, you know, needs to maybe be a, a, he's had some great, he's had some wins in his career. He made the playoffs last year, but maybe this is a year where Kyle needs to rack up a good handful of wins in the regular season, maybe three, four wins and, and maybe make a run deep into the postseason to really prove his star power on the sport. So maybe a little bit of pressure on he, on him here this season. You know, he'd be right up there on my list of guys uh, that have something to, to prove this season after uh, um, Denny and Jimmy, easy for me to say, and maybe someone like a Chase Elliott, you've got Kyle Larson right up there. Again, really a lot of these young guys maybe need to show something last year after all of that buzz coming into last season about the young guns. And then it wound up being all about the, we'll call middle-aged guys, Harvick, Truex, and Bush last year, kind of dominating the sport. And after all that preseason uh, push on the younger drivers, and they eventually delivered later in the year, but coming out of the box last year, it was all the veteran guys that stole the headlines. You know, a lot of these younger guys maybe feeling the pressure a little bit to have a strong start to this year, and, and Larson's uh, right on that, right in that mix. Uh, looking at the rest of the lineup, we already said Kyle Busch starts 31st, and you got Brad Keselowski, uh, he had a uh, penalty in the uh, couple pit road penalties actually in, in Thursday's clash hurt his. Uh, he went a lap down, so he starts 35th today. So that's kind of the last uh, big name in the running order for today's race. Uh, again, looking at my favorite tool in the race, and I, I it, again can't bet against the Fords. I know how last year turned out, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. But with taking the potentiality for all the for all the crashes and all the crazy plate racing stuff to happen if you just look at performance and speed uh you, you got to look at the fords as a favorite to pick today and i uh will once again go with joey logano as uh, i've said multiple times in this program i think joey is one of if not the best plate racer uh in nascar today i think uh a, driving the Ford, but B, the way I've seen him kind of handle the draft and being able to block those charges when that, when that second lane does finally come together, uh, Joey's just masterful at, at kind of bl- trying to block up both of those lines and trying to hold off any guy advancing on him. 
and uh, I think he is one of the best at it, along with his teammate Brad Keselowski um, and, and Kevin Harvick as well. But I think uh, Joey does it the best, and, and he certainly showed that on Thursday as uh, he you know stole kind of stole that win with uh, that late race pass uh, to take the win. He kind of came out of nowhere, kind of do- you know and dove to the bottom. And just got a run to take the lead, and maybe caught uh, Clint Boyer uh, off guard with that late pass on th- in Thursday's duel. And I thought again, just another example of why I think he's one of the better plate racers. So definitely looking at Joey Logano as my pick for today's Daytona 500. Uh, and you got to, and, and then just kind of fit in some of the other Ford guys in behind him, like Brad Keselowski, like Kevin Harvick, like Clint Boyer, uh, all of those guys. Um, Definitely on my list of favorites, and, and definitely put Ryan Blaney up there too. But uh, wouldn't surprise me uh, to find someone like a, a one of the Chevy drivers. You know, really, all three makes have their favorites, but I think just Ford has the advantage this year. But it is uh, 500 miles, and we'll see what happens uh, at the end of today's race. Again, 803-0551-888-550-2550. You want to chime in and have your thoughts on today's race, you can also uh, tweet us at Fast Track 550. I was trying to think, put together, you know, some picks for a, a final four who who I think would make the championship race at Homestead at the start of this year. And I have a hard time just not picking the same four guys that went to last year's championship race because uh, obviously the the big three, the Truex, Bush, Harvick, you know, they were so dominant last year. And then Logano is the defending champion. I really have had a hard time. Like, who else could you really put in there? At least. Just going at the start of this season, you know, obviously that could change throughout this season. Uh, who are the big four? But I have a hard time just trying to p- place somebody else into that mix as my picks who would race for the championship here in 2019. You know, maybe a Chase Elliott would maybe be the one guy I would take in. But then who do you swap out? Do you, is it does Logano not? You know, do, does Logano not? Uh, defend this year does Kyle Busch have a Kyle Busch kind of meltdown at some point this season and and that hurts his chances does Truex and Cole Pern even though it's not a big change for them going to Joe Gibbs Racing do they maybe not have their performance they're used to having the last couple of years does Harvick stumble at some point this season does the Mustang maybe not perform as well uh, in the mile and a half tracks and you know the Toyotas have a better year or the Chevys bounce back uh, how do I take out one of those four guys and put in Chase Elliott or, or put in another favor? So I really have a hard time kind of stretching to find who else is a, a championship favorite besides the four guys that ran for the title next year, uh, excuse me, for the title this year. But it, again, I guess Chase Elliott would be on that short list. Uh, you know, maybe Clint Boyer has a, a heroic, uh, an even better year than he had last year in his first year at Stu Haas Racing. You know, if he just goes on a run at some point this season. But really, I think the four best drivers in the sport were the four guys that raced for the championship last season. And I think they're going to be right in it here in 2019. And, and it'll we'll need 35 races to uh, change my mind, I guess. So unfortunately, not a big stretch of the imagination by me and my predictions for the 2019 season. But at this point, I just don't see how you can take any of those four guys down off the pedestal that they're on right now. And uh, I think there's, it's maybe a half stuff below some guys like Elliot, like a Larson, like a Boyer and, and, and Denny Hamlin. They're right there beneath them, not far off, maybe just a step down or two, but really 
I've got those four guys just up on a pedestal just based on the year they had last year and, and not too many changes for this year. Uh, I think they'll be right there in the mix. We'll see. It's a long season, and we hope you spend uh, at least part of the season with us here on Fast Track on Sunday mornings here on WGR. We're here every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12 noon, and we're going to wrap up this edition of Fast Track when we get back here on WGR. There's another change for the 48 team. New sponsor. No more lows on the 48 car. Ally Bank will be on the 48, all 36 races, I believe, this season. Uh, Lowe's and the 48 team been together since Jimmy came to this, the Cup Series in 2001. Another long time uh, relationship there, but Lowe's has decided to take their uh, marketing dollars elsewhere. And so that's another change for the 48 team on top of a, a new crew chief, new sponsor, new look. Kind of a interesting painting to say the least. Uh, wrapping up this Daytona 500 preview edition of WGR's Fast Track. Uh, you can hear the race today on ESPN 1520. The pre-race coverage starts at 1.30. Green flag just after 2.30. J.J. Watt going to give the command to start engines today at Daytona. The fantastic uh, Houston Texans defensive lineman and just all-around good human being, J.J. Watt. Uh, so that he'll give the command today. Uh, don't forget to play in our WGR Fast Track Fantasy League. Uh, go to drivergroupgame.com. And uh, sign up. If you played last year on the new website, just go to drivergroupgain.com and use your same login, and it automatically puts you back in the Fast Track League. But if you're new to the the site, again, drivergroupgame.com, sign up, and then join our league. Our league ID number is 572. That's 572. And the password is WGR550, all in lowercase, uh, WGR550. We've got... Uh, 32 players so far lined up for the Fast Track Fantasy League, and I uh, hope you join us and uh, get aboard. Of course, I'm in there, and Paul Hamilton is in there, and Paul, of course, always manages to beat me because he says he doesn't care, but I know he's really piling over. No, when he's not at Sabres practice, he's at home studying NASCAR stats to beat me in fantasy. I know exactly because I beat him in our fantasy football league every year, so he's got to beat me at something. So uh, Paul's in there, and a lot of great people have been playing with us. We've been on the air for this is our 13th season. I think I've done a fantasy league every year, and just some of the names are the same names every year. And I thank all you people that uh, have played with us in fantasy NASCAR throughout the years and our regular uh interactors with us on the program a uh, couple p- race picks in on twitter nick uh says his pick to win at daytona days ricky stenhouse jr he says he's the best plate racer since junior retired interesting but uh has some merit to that and he says chase elliott is going to win the championship uh jason Quicklinsky checking in says chase finally gets that uh, bottom line going and he wins it and he thinks he also thinks chase is going to uh, win the title this year uh, Jason also asking about Lancaster Speedway. Uh, I have nothing to report on that front at this time. I guess stay tuned, I hope. Uh, speaking of local racing, we had Chuck Hosfeld on the show last week. Uh, he was racing down in Florida a lot, along with some f- his fellow Western New York racers. And, well, we talked to Chuck after winning last Saturday at the Bronson Speedway. Then they were at New Smyrna all week. Chuck had a pretty good week. No wins, but a second, third, fourth, fifth, and a seventh. And Chuck won the modified championship at uh, the World Series of Short Track Asphalt Racing at New Suburna Speedway. So congrats to Chuck, Joe Mancuso, and the entire 22 uh, Jerry Grillo Motors team on the championship. Matt Hirschman had himself a pretty darn good week. He won the final three races of the week, including the Richie Evans Memorial on Friday. Unfortunately, he had problems early in the week, especially that first race. He was involved in a crash. 
and uh, hurt his chances at catching Chuck for the points championship, but still Matt had a good week. Uh, Patrick Emerling had an up-and-down week, had a second-place run the first night, but was DQ'd for a slight uh, left-side weight infraction, got caught up in a couple incidents. Uh, Andy Jankowiak's first trip down to Florida also had some ups and downs. Tommy Catalano had a great week. Uh, it's having some impressive runs up front, kind of faded in a couple of those races, but was up front a lot this week. You saw a lot of Tommy uh, if you watch the races on Fans Choice. And his mom had a, a great week going until the final night. Amy Catalano, she had some fantastic runs too, was looking really fast, some top five, top ten runs. And unfortunately, she was involved in an incident in the Richie Evans Memorial, crashed out, banged up the right side of her car. But uh, she had some impressive runs, though, earlier in the week. So great uh, for the Western New Yorkers on the pavement. Over on the dirt side, uh, over at Volusia, the big block modifieds. Uh, Eric Rudolph was down there. Eric had uh, he had to pass a lot of cars this week. The, the redraw was not his friend. Uh, he wound up um, ninth in the final standings there for the Super Dirt Car. Big block modifieds at Volusia at the Dirt Car Nationals, but had some impressive runs. Larry White won the championship. Stuart Friesen won the big race last night after uh, his long night with the trucks on Friday. He wrapped up his speed weeks with a win on the dirt over Larry White and Billy Decker. Uh, Matt Shepard got a win, and then uh, Billy Decker got a win, and Stuart got a win, and Monday they were rained out, so they had four different winners down there at Volusia with the big block modifieds. And uh, my old buddy, Will Thomas, had a, a okay week. He had a, picked up a couple of heat wins, didn't have the... Uh, car set up right for the feature, and it looked like it didn't have the good runs in the feature, but still good to see Will uh, have a couple of uh, heat wins there at Volusia, and a big happy birthday to his lovely wife, Tammy, who's uh, expecting their first child, and so happy birthday, Tammy, and great to ha- see the Thomas family having a good week, uh, some really great people in local racing, and there are plenty of others as well, too, and we'll be talking about them throughout the year here on WGR's Fast Track, as uh, we will be covering more of the local racing action as the weather eventually warms up here in western New York and southern Ontario. But that'll do us do it for today. Again, the race is on 1520 today, ESPN 1520 coverage at 1.30, green flag after 2.30. Uh, feel free to send your tweets during the race throughout the afternoon at Fast Track 550 or uh, look us up on Facebook and uh, love to hear your thoughts throughout the race as well too. And we'll recap it all back here next Sunday at 11 a.m. here on WGR Sports Radio 550. So until then, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.